0: Um, if you have your notes, you'll you'll notice the title uh, of the sermon that we're going to be talking about. We're in Genesis 13. In Genesis 13 is where Abraham or Abram, who later changed his name to, to Abraham, um, and Lot, and end up separating and going um, separate ways. And so I titled the the sermon "Abraham Loses a Lot." Um, I figured that would that was fitting. But even better is Pastor Matt won't use it probably, but next next week is Genesis 14, where Lot gets captured and Abram has to go and save him. And so you know the title should be, Abram saves a lot. So, and I I, I think you could go somewhere with that. But today we're going to be looking at Genesis 13. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn there and it's page page uh, 11 in the, the Bible, the seat Bibles, if, if you're using one of those we're just going to be we're going to be looking at abram and lot and and what happens in their relationship and and what's going on there so let's let's pray and then we'll get into this Lord thank you so much for your love for us and we just pray that you use my words to to speak your truth this this evening in jesus name amen so, uh so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 13, starting with verse 1. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot, with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen, After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. So we'll, we'll stop there. And we want to look at just a few things that, that come out of this passage. You, you, first, you, you start by finding out that Abram and Lot have become pretty wealthy. They've got a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, and they've and just gold and silver. And so as they're traveling, there's only so much grass for the animals to eat. And once that's, that's eaten up, there's, you're going to have to find a new place for them to feed. And when you have two wealthy people with all that, all those animals... Pretty soon you're going to, you realize that there's not enough land out there for, for, for both of them and all their animals and, and the people to live together in the same area. So all of a sudden they start the herdsmen. We, we see that Abram had his herds, herdsmen, herdsmen, and Lot had his, and they those herdsmen start. You know, fighting and kind of battling over the land and where's the best land and how are we going to feed our animals? And so they start arguing. And so Abram sees this and he looks at it and he says, you know, this isn't going to work. We've got to do something. Understand that God in Genesis 12 has promised all of this land to Abram. He said, all this that you see will be yours. And so Abram, understanding and trusting God, If he he truly believed that, he could have said, hey, you know what, Lot? This is all mine, so you're going to have to go find some place and move on. But we see the first thing we see here is is Abram's humility. We look at it and we see the fact that he's humble enough to say, even though I have this right, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, I have the right to this land, I, I don't want it to be something that's going to come between us. And so he allows Lot to choose he says, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. So lot you choose where you want to go, and I'll take the other land. So we look at the humility. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at a few different verses here. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8, when we think about humility, it says in Philippians um, chapter, chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up this divine privilege, he took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So we see that, that Abram understood humility in the same way that the New Testament talks about humility is Christ is the perfect example of humility. Being God himself, he didn't sit there and say, I'm God, you know, and I'm going to lord that over people. He came down as a human. He took on human form, and he humbled himself in that way. Romans twelve eight it tells us, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. There's a couple key phrases in there. The first one is, if it is possible. Because there are times, let's be honest, there are times when you want to live at peace with somebody, and it's just pretty obvious they have no desire for that. Anyone relate to that? You got it, in your life, there are people you say, you know what, we got a conflict. I really want to work this conflict out. But you know as you go along, they have no desire to do that. Some people just love, they relish conflict. It kind of, it's like their blood. It's just that that's how they keep going is, you know, the more conflict they have. Me, I don't really like it that much. I'd rather avoid it if we can. But it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as, as, as far as that you have the ability to, live at peace with everyone. And Abram, Abraham, we look at that and we see that he understood that as well. And then Romans 14, 19 says, So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. God has called us, as followers of Christ, to try to live together in harmony whenever possible and to build and encourage each other up. If, you, if you're talking to someone and you, and you sense it could be a conflict, if you sit there and you start to compliment them or if you start, you start to say things that are nice to them, sometimes... That can kind of diffuse a situation. And so we've got to look and say, how can I, in whatever situation it is, how can I live in harmony and in peace with those around me? And that's what Abram w- was, was learning and figuring out when it came to his relationship with, with Lot. Abram chose relationships over rights. Though he had the right to say, this is my land, I'm going to take what I want. He totally could have said that. He is the patriarch. He's, the, he's, you know, the uncle, and here's his nephew. He could have said, hey, I'm taking this land, you take that land, and, and let's move on. But he decided, you know what, I'm just going to save this relationship from the beginning, and I'm going to say, here, you choose, and then we'll, we'll go our separate ways. He put others first. It's kind of like a nice customer service model. I've always thought that if I ever owned a business, I would want to hire people that understood customer service that they put the customer first, and they say, you know what? No matter what, the customer has to be right unless it's really ridiculous. And so, and we know some of those situations. But I, when we were in um, Nicaragua, we came back. We stayed the night in Chicago, and it was late. It was probably 11, 11 o'clock, and it was late, and, and they were hungry, and I said, all right, let's go get something to eat. We went to this fast food restaurant. Just, It was just like a block or two away. I'm not going to mention the name. Um, because I don't know if that would be right, but the initials were BK. Um, and so um, so we went to this unnamed uh, restaurant, and the restaurant was closed, but the drive-thru was open. So we pull up to the drive-thru, and, you know, you get up there, and the, you know, you don't know what they're saying, but you just kind of pretend you do. And they say, can you hold, can you hold on a second? So we're like, all right. A couple minutes later, they come back on. No joke, they come on and they say, you know what, could you just come back in five minutes? <laughs> I was just like, and my, I was like, are you serious? And they said, yeah, could you just come back in five minutes? I was like, no. And so we just left. I was just like, this is crazy. So we ended up finding a steak and shake and, and had a much nicer meal anyway. So, um, But it was just kind of strange when we think about the fact that if you're going to put other people first, you know, a- across the board, obviously they didn't quite understand that. And it wasn't like they were busy. It was closed inside. We're the only one in the drive-thru. You know, so it's kind of like, that was just kind of strange. Um, but when we look at that with Abraham, he understood putting other people before himself. And then another thing, is, you look at, um, in verse 7, it talks about the fact there were two other groups of people that were there watching. And so as Abraham was, was you know, going through this whole situation, he looks out and he sees these other people who aren't followers of God. And he sees that they're observing and they're watching what's going on. And so he has this understanding probably that, hey, you know what? We're going to be a witness on how we handle the situation. Because how we handle this is going to show, you know, what followers of God are like. And so in the same way in our lives, we've got to think about when we have conflicts, look around and say, are there other people who don't know who Christ is? And are they watching to see how you handle conflict? Are they watching? How do you handle that? And and do they see a Christ-like attitude when it comes to conflict? And that's what Abraham might have been looking at when he handled when he looked at this. So Lot, we look at it and says he walked by sight. Genesis thirteen ten. It says that he looked out and he saw the land and he said, boy, that land over there looks really good. I mean, it's lush. It's it's perfect for. For feeding the, the animals, it's perfect for growing crops. And we look at that and we say, that wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't bad for Lot, for Abram to go to Lot and say, choose the land, left or right. And he looks out and he goes, wow, that land looks really good. So when, you can't really condemn Lot for saying, that's good land, I'll take that. But it's the whole idea, we've heard the analogy, grass is always greener on the other side. And that's kind of, in a sense, you know what happened here. Remember when I was probably in third, third, second or third grade, we lived in these apartments and, and we shared a driveway with another house right next to us. And the, they were like, it was Alan and Stephen Orphan was their name over there. And I just always looked in I said, boy, you know what? They've got everything. I said, man, I, you know, I, I wish I had what they have. And I remember going into my house. Can you talk about grass always greener on the other side? Went in and I said, mom. I wish I was an orphan because I just, you know, everything they have is, you know, and then later it took me a while to figure out what I was really saying. But, um, um, but the idea that we always look and say, you know, things always look better. And so lot looked at it and he wasn't really looking at the big picture. What was going to happen down the road? He just looked and said, right now that looks a lot better. I'm going to take that. So he walked, lot walked by sight. Abram walked by faith. We see that in Hebrews 11:8, It tells us, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And we see that leading up to this chapter, that as God sends Abraham out, he doesn't say, Here's the map, here's the GPS, go. He just says, You go, and trust me that I'm going to lead you. And Abraham gets up, and he goes and he, and he has faith and he trusts God as he follows, you know, where God's going to take him. So um, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. We live our lives in a way that honors God by believing, not by seeing. Not necessarily what our eyes see, but what believing in what God says. Because sometimes what we see isn't always what God has planned for us. He's got a better, better picture He's got a bigger picture than, than we have. And so the question I have is, do you put your trust in yourself, in your money, your status, in your, in your relationships? Do you put your trust in that saying, this is who I am. Because of where I'm at in my job, that is who I am. And that's where I put my trust in. Or do you put it in your money? Do you put it in a relationship? Or do you put it that in God. Because a lot of those things can be taken away. Our money can be taken away. Our job can be taken away. And if we put everything in that bucket and that's taken away, our, our foundation collapses. But if we say, I'm putting my trust in God and I'm going to trust him over these other things. Not to say these other things are bad, but if they take the place of God, they can become bad. So if we, we say, God, I trust you, I'm not going to trust in these other things for my happiness. I'm going to trust in you for that. And then, uh, so we have two men and we have two choices. And in the following chapters, we start to see the results of those choices for Lot and for Abram. You start to see what happens. And um, Genesis 12:7 it, it, it talks about it. He said, he could have told Lot, Abr- again, Abraham could have told Lot, you know, here it is. Um, I'm taking this. I'm entitled to it. We live in a world of entitlements, don't we? It's just weird. You look at the news, and it's like, I'm one of these people that's kind of like, I don't watch the news on TV, and, but I'll, I'll sit there, and I'll get on the Internet, and I'll kind of look through the thing. And sometimes I see these stories, and I'm just like, I've got to research this, because this makes no sense. You ever seen a lawsuit that was an actual lawsuit, and you sit there and go, how in the world does a court even waste their time with that? One of these lawsuits, when we talk about entitlements, two siblings in in 2009, Stephen and Catherine Minor, they sued their mom, the 20 years old, they sued their mother because she didn't send her son a care package in college. She refused to buy her daughter a homecoming dress. And then they didn't send, she didn't send money and a birthday card to her son. He opened the card up and there wasn't, you know how it is, let's be honest, When you're younger, you open that card up and you're kind of of waiting for a check or something to fall out. And you open up and it just starts singing to you or something. And you're like, what the heck? That was a waste. And you just kind of shut that and you go, wow, come on. Well, they sued their mother because she sent a birthday card without money in it. And obviously the, the judge, you know, threw it out. Thank God there's a couple sane judges out there still. But the interesting thing about this was they're 20 years old. They're suing the mother because of these things. They lived with their father in a $1.5 million mansion. That's where they lived when they, had this, they made this lawsuit against their mother. So you think about entitlements, and you think about what is going on in our world today? Occu- Occupy Wall Street was a big thing um, a few years ago, 2011. A young man was out protesting, saying the government should pay their, his college tuition. He's out there holding up signs, government should pay my college tuition. When they pressed him as far as why, he said, because that's what I want. And that was his reason for being out there. And I started thinking about I said, well, I want the government to pay for Rogaine, Rogaine treatments, but that's not going to happen. You know, seriously, if we want to go there, let's think about what is it that I could really use. But we think about the entitlement. And a lot of times in our lives, we think we're entitled to things. In the same way, sometimes it happens spiritually to where we think, God, that we're entitled to things from God because we do certain things. God, if I do this, if I come to church and I suffer and I come at least twice a month, you know, you owe me something. Because I could be sleeping in or I could be doing something else. If I actually come to church and then I give in and the, and the, the offering when it comes by, God, it's going up. Pretty soon, you know what, there's going to be a checklist of things that you owe me. And we start to feel that way. We, f- we start to feel like I'm entitled to things because of what I've done. Not understanding that God has already done everything for us. It's for us to understand what, what is what Christ has done on the cross for us. Not that we're entitled to anything, but the fact that God did it in spite of the fact that we aren't. That we don't deserve it. But the sense of entitlement that we have... A lot of times we get we get caught up in that, and so Abraham didn't have that. He didn't get up get caught up in that whole thing of, <clears throat> of that entitlement thing. He allowed, hang on to, sorry, he allowed lot to choose. My kids were younger; they'd always fight over like who got the bigger piece. No one can relate to this, right? Who got the bigger piece? Whatever like that. So we decided that we were going to have it like this, real simple. One kid cuts, the other chooses. It's really simple. Nobody wants to cut, right? <laughs> you know? But I tell you what, the person who was cutting was going to sit there and they were going to get you know, to a millimeter. You know, like They're going to sit there and go, if, that per- if, if they were cutting and choosing, then it was going to be like, whoop, little piece, like that. All right, I'm choosing. But if it was like they're going to choose, I'm going to make sure that they don't get a, a, a slice more than what I'm getting. And so, and so that's the way we did it. So we, we have it like this. But the cool thing here is Abraham allowed Lot to cut, and then he allowed him to choose. So he had, Lot had the, the best of both worlds. Hey, Lot, here's the land, cut it, choose it, and then and go. And that's, that's the way Abraham looked at that. So, a couple things, so I look at this and we say, so Genesis 13, we understand a little bit about Abraham losing a lot. Uh, how they went and they separated and went the separate ways. And as we look at Lot, and we look at what's what's going on there, Lot looks out, and he sees the great land, but the land is near Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, trust me, there aren't a lot of people who don't understand that Sodom and Gomorrah is not a great name. You don't see a lot of parents going, "We should name our kid Gomorrah. We should, that would I think that's biblical." You don't see that. Right? Sodom and Gomorrah is not a good thing. But Lot looked out and he saw this land and he said, that's good land. It was, and it says it was right next to Sodom. And as you look further on, as you go through the chapters, you see that not only did Lot set up camp next to Sodom, soon as you look later on the chapters, Lot is living in Sodom. And so it talks about, it's, it's ironic when you look at Scripture and you look at um, toward the end of the New Testament, the Bible talks about the, the fact that Lot was a righteous man. The Bible calls Lot a righteous man. But yet he got caught up in the things that we get, can get caught up in as well. That you, you get in there and you get close to sin and it really starts to affect you and your family. And so here's Lot. He's moving off to the land that looks great, but it's it's... in in a land that's filled with a bunch of wicked people. And so that's what we've got to understand is Abraham understood. And he said, I trust God. And as Abraham went, he lived in a tent and he moved as God directed him to move. So we ask ourselves, what does this mean for me? The first thing is God versus greed. Do we want God or do we want things? Is it, is it the things out there that we want the money and, and the whatever it is, or is it God that we're seeking at first? Faith in God or, or are the things around us? Because anything can become, become an idol if we're not careful. We've we got to be careful with that. And then the second thing is, if you're blessed with a lot of different things, if you're blessed with wealth, if you're just blessed with you know health, whatever it is, what is your attitude if you were to lose that? If God has blessed you with certain things, What would your attitude be if you were to lose that? That would tell you where you put your trust. If your trust is in those things, then your attitude is going to be anger and being upset about the fact that it was taken away. But if your trust is in God, you're going to sit there and say what Job said in 121. Naked I came into my mother's womb, and naked I'll leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm going to be totally honest with you, that probably wouldn't be the first thing I would say if God were to come and take everything away from me. It would be something that I hope my heart would get to, but I, I think the first reaction would be, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. And that's where we're looking to say, if our trust is in those things, we've got to be careful, because if that was taken away, we're going to, we're going to crumble. So then, the second thing is, is heaven our home, or is earth our home? Do we have the mindset, as followers of Christ, that we are aliens and strangers in this world? Now, I've been called an alien and stranger, you know, and that's by my wife. But other people have, have said it too. But, you know what, we're not talking about strange like, you know, like, that person's just really weird. But aliens and strangers, as far as you don't belong here, we, we fellowship with God. Do we, do we want fellowship with God, or do we want approval of the world do we want people in the world to approve of us and like us over having God be pleased with us? Then that's not to say and sit there and say, "You know what I'm going to just make the whole world mad at me that's not what we're saying, but we're saying if it comes down to it, do you want to please God or do you want to please the people around you more? And if you're, if you're pleasing God, sometimes that's going to make it to where you're not going to please the people around you. And we talked about Abram, he lived in a tent, built an altar to God, and wherever he went, he realized that where he was at was not his home, that God was going to keep moving him. Lot went, and he settled in, and he said, I'm here. And, and a lot of times in this world, we get the mindset that this is it. This is all there is. What we have here in this, this world is all there is. So I'm going to settle down, I'm going to make as much money as I can, and I'm just going to live. Where God is, is telling us, if you're a follower of Christ, you need to be pitching a tent. Because, because this is a temporary place. There's a home that we're going to that's so much better than where we are now. So Lot settled in, became part of the culture. 1 Corinthians 15:33 says, Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Lot was a righteous man, but he got corrupted by the things around him. As you live around that wickedness. It's, it can start to corrupt you. And so we've got to be careful how, you know, who we're surrounding ourselves with and, uh, with and you know, what's, what's affecting us. Who, who's affecting our lives? And John 17:16 tells us, they are not of the world, even as I am not of this world. And then Philippians 3:20, for our citizen, citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. When we went to Nicaragua, it didn't take long for people in Nicaragua to say, these people don't belong here. Especially when you're as white as I am. All right, And you walk down, and we, the hotel that we were staying at was just a block away from the supermarket. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to go down there. And I, we go in there, and I'm, I'm with this other guy from YWAM. And we go in there, and I'm thinking... He knows Spanish, and so we're going to go in there like that. He doesn't know a word. He doesn't know a lick of Spanish. So we walk into the supermarket, and I'm like, I'm going to get this and this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't even know how to ask how much this is because it's not in American dollars. So I go up there, and I'm just kind of like waving my money around like that. So I finally look at him. I said, help me out. And he goes. I don't know what, you know, so, so I'm sitting there going, you know, what? and so the, all these people, and it was weird because it's like, seriously, you walk down an aisle and all of a sudden there's like four Nicaraguans following us around and it was like, are we in the zoo or something? It's was just kind of, it was just bizarre. It was just kind like, of like, who is this, you know, white, what is this white man doing here? And so, but it, it was, it was so, it was obvious that we didn't belong there, that we were a- aliens and strangers. And on a quick side note here, we were, um, when we were going out and we were, um, ministering, we'd have people from the Nicaraguan church that would go out as we hand out Bibles. We'd go door to door and we would talk to people and pray with them and give them the Bible. And we'd have, we're supposed to have an interpreter with us all the time. And our group, it was one of our, our, our teens who was our interpreter. And so, I mean, and luckily she was pretty good, so it worked out pretty well. But we had one day where I didn't have anyone with us who spoke any any Spanish. And we had this pastor and a couple other people, and they only spoke Spanish. So we're going through, and we're I'm sitting there talking to my team going, how do we tell them that we want this, and, and back and forth. Halfway through, an hour and a half into this, the pastor turns around, and he says something in English. And I said, this whole time, we've been talking, you've understood everything we've said. Why didn't you tell us you spoke English? And he goes, you never asked. <laughs> I was like, so that's what we had to deal with here. Was And that was a pastor of the church. I mean, how, how bad is that? But, but when we're there, it was obvious we didn't belong. We were aliens, we we're strangers in a the land there. And that's really what God is calling us to. He says, if you want to look at Abraham and Lot... Abraham understood that there was another place that God was calling him to. This earth isn't where we're going to end up. There's a place that Christ is preparing for us. And as followers of Christ, we have to understand that. And not get settled in and start to set up camp thinking that this is it. Because I'll be honest with you. If this is the best there is, if this earth right here, The way our world is right now, if this is the best there is, dude, I'm really bummed. I don't know about you, but I'm really bummed if this is the best it's going to be. Praise God, I don't believe that. Because what the Bible tells us, that there's a much better place waiting for us. So I want to encourage us to keep our eyes focused on God and understand that we're in a temporary place. And as we think about Abraham and his humility... And we look at Lot and some of the choices that he made. Understanding we're in a temporary place. And God is preparing a much, much better place for us. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are preparing a place that's so much greater than anything we can imagine. I pray that as we think about that and we think about how we're living on this earth, that you would help us to live in the humility that, that you modeled When Christ came down to this earth as God, but humbled himself as a man and gave up his rights so that we could become children of God. Lord, we just praise you and we thank you for that. Pray that you help each one of us here to understand that we're not entitled to anything that you give us. Lord, that you bless us because you love us. And Lord, we love you and we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.